Welcome to the Victory Life Church podcast. We believe it's important to present an uncomplicated and uncluttered view of Christ and how we should live. We hope this podcast inspires you and helps build your faith. If you ever find yourself in the area, come check us out. For more information on services and events, visit us at blcministries.com and follow us on Facebook and Instagram at VLC Plantation. Talking about the Ten Commandments and how really to live a true, happy life. Before I became a believer in Jesus Christ, I broke all these Ten Commandments habitually. How many would join me in saying they did the same thing? Remember, Jesus said, if you broke one, you have broken them all. But truly, I have found greater happiness by following the truths in God's word. My family or my life was on a train wreck. I accomplished zero for Jesus. And then I met him. He forgave me. And I began to follow his word. And I have found true happiness by living according to his word. Not only that, he's raised up an offspring of children that are serving in the churches in the area. Not only that, he's given me grandchildren that are already confessing Jesus Christ as Lord. And had I not embraced Jesus Christ as my Savior, my family's prediction would be that I would be dead by 20 or in jail. I did go to jail at 20 years old for having 13 tickets in one year. (laughs) And I ran from the cops and they put me in jail. 17 days and nights I was in jail, and I said, I never want to come back to this place. In fact, one guy in there said, listen. He said, listen, you better not come back to this place, because either you're going to kill someone or someone's going to kill you. I am so happy what God has done in your life and in my life. And I believe true happiness is found in his word this morning. We're on two commandments that start with an S. Stealing and sex, one of your favorite subjects. I'll try to be very classy as I talk about this. If your children need to leave or your young teenagers need to leave, you need to tell them right now because it will get X-rated a little bit. So my question to you is this this morning. Do you really truly want to be obedient to God? So I'm going to lay out some things to you, but I'm going to switch the commandments in order so I can spend a lot of time on sex. The first one's stealing. You all get it, right? You know, thou shall not steal, thou shall not commit adultery, or you must not commit adultery, you must not steal. So we're going to go to stealing first. How many have a problem stealing? Raise your hand. (laughs) Okay, I'm going to give you a list of them. You write them down, and you take note of that. Because there are many ways that you can steal. Now, I don't say this proudly, but before I got saved, I was a habitual thief. Even in one years old, two years old, five years old, six years old, I would go to my grandma's house. Everybody would watch TV. I would go get me a glove in Detroit, Michigan, and I would open up grandma's purse or aunt's purse, and I would put change in there, and I would go to school. Man, I had a lot of money, (laughs) and I could buy anything I wanted (laughs) And then I always went in a store and I put something down my pants. I was a habitual thief. I wasn't a big time thief. No, I could have made the movie a Pink Panther or anything like that. 
But I noticed when I got saved, the first thing I stopped doing was stealing. One of the things I stopped doing was stealing. Steal no more, because I didn't want anybody to steal what was mine so they could have it for themselves. So the scripture teaches us many ways that we can steal. So maybe you never stole out of a store. Maybe you never stole from grandma or grandpa. But there are some other ways that I want to remind you that you can steal so that you come into compliance with God so you can live the kind of life God wants you to live. The first one is deception. Deception. Jesus addressed the religious leaders about deception because what they would do is people would come to Jerusalem to offer sacrifices, and they traveled the far way, so they didn't have the animals or they had to change the currency to the Jerusalem currency. And so they had dishonest scales. So perhaps the animal weighed 20 pounds and they said it weighed 25 pounds. Or perhaps you have a vehicle that you're trying to sell and you know there's something wrong with it. (laughs) And you sell it to your Christian friend and make a big profit on it and they have it one month and it falls apart. That's deception. Please understand that. Proverbs 20 23 says, God hates cheating in the market. Rigging scales are an outrage to him. Number two, employee theft. You can steal from your employer. Colossians 3.22 through 24 reminds us how we're to conduct ourselves in the workplace. Giving our boss a good day's work, not only when he or she is around, but when they're gone. Servants, obey in all things your masters according to the flesh, not with eye service as men pleasers, but in singleness of heart, fearing God. And whatever you do, do it heartily as to the Lord and not unto men, knowing that of the Lord you shall receive the reward of the inheritance for your service to the Lord Jesus Christ, even if your boss does not pay you properly. Now, we're going to have something for the bosses, but remember this, employee. Even if your boss does not pay you properly, you never get a pass at disobeying this commandment. Always remember this throughout this morning. We never get a pass at sin. Habitually arriving late, leaving early, calling in sick when you're not sick. Ooh. Have you called in sick, Jacob, lately? I, uh, sometimes I call in sick, but there's no one to call. <laughs> How about employer theft? Employee, employer theft. Deuteronomy 24, 14 reminds us, never take advantage of a poor and destitute laborers, whether they are fellow Israelites or foreigners living in your towns. You must pay them their wages each day before sunset because they are poor and are counting on it. If you don't, they might cry out to the Lord against you and it will be counted against you as sin. I know many people have rendered a service in the construction industry and other types of industry only to get paid back nothing. Shame on you. Okay. You want to come into compliance to live in a good life? Pay your employees what they deserve. How about debt? I'm going through these pretty quickly because I'm assuming most of you aren't thieves. Here's one, though, that people struggle with, and that's debt. Debt. You steal. Psalms 
37.21 reminds us, the wicked borrow and never repay. But the godly are generous givers. We are living in a day and age when people feel no moral or spiritual obligation to repay debts, a la school debts. Now, I'm not saying if the government somehow says you're forgiven that you can't be forgiven. I want to confess to you that early on in my life, I piled up a little bit of debt, and I felt very bad about filing. So I had a house up in Alabama, and I paid on it for years, and I couldn't sell it. And long story short, I had a little bit of debt. And I felt very, very bad because I felt I needed to pay that debt. And a Christian lawyer told me, listen, the credit card companies charge outrageous interest rates because they know people are going to default on their debt. So they make provisions for those people. So if the world is making provisions for you and God's making provisions for you, then take advantage of it. Ask God to forgive you. And I ask God to forgive me. And by the way, Besides a car or home, our family's not been in debt. This church since 1998 has never been in debt. Praise be to God. So I learned, I learned my lesson. I learned my lesson from my mistakes. Always remember, there's grace. So each sin that I hit on, a lot of pastors won't talk about sin because they're worried about people leaving the church. I'm, I'm not afraid of that. I'm not here to be popular. I do like it when you say nice things when you walk out. I see some of the faces you give when you walk out. I see some of the faces when you're sitting right there right now. But debts, God wants us to pay our debts. And some people don't do that. And it causes a lot of Christian businessmen. I was over a house last night. I did a house wedding last night. One of our members got married last night. And he, he was sharing with me, and it didn't seem like this person was a believer, and they were sharing with me how they hate to do business with Christian men because of the poor testimony that many have in the name of Jesus, they don't pay their bills. But I told that person, I corrected them and said, listen, Christians are the greatest people in the world to do business with. What you, who you did business with was an imposter. Amen? So never consent to what the world says. The Christ, do not allow them to beat up your brothers and sisters in Christ. They are the greatest people in the world to do business with. By the way, they are the first people that I always contact whenever I need something. They have a chance to prove who they are or they have a chance to mess up and then I won't do business with them anymore. The last one, which actually two, taxes and tithing. Um, taxes, remember when someone approached Jesus and tried to trick him? That's why I put them both together. And they said, Jesus, should we pay taxes to Caesar? In other words, to the government. And by the way, I've been friends with people that literally said, you don't have to pay your taxes, buy your house, and in three days you don't have to pay your mortgage payment anymore. Literally, a guy was in business to do that. He said, you're a child of the king. You do not have to pay your mortgage anymore. I'll show you how to do it. The guy became wealthy and then went to jail for about 30 years. <laughs> This true story. I could elaborate on it, but I don't want to. So Jesus answered them and said in Romans, give to everyone what you owe them. Pay your taxes and government fees to those who collect them. And give respect and honor to those who are in authority. He said, give unto Caesars, give unto the government what's the government's, and give unto God what is God's. Which brings me to the last one on stealing. 
listen, everything you have, please understand this is God's planet. Just like if you come in my house, everything in that house is mine, not yours. You do not have the liberty to walk out of that house like my grandkids do sometimes and take some of the things that aren't theirs. You do not have the freedom to come in my home and take what's not yours. This is God's. He wants you to understand that, and when you understand that, you worship him back with giving. We're not legalists here and demand exactly how much you should give, but God wants you to be a cheerful giver. The tithe is a benchmark. When you fall in love with Jesus, you learn to give freely. Amen? Okay, that was on stealing. I know I couldn't wait to get to sex. Someone acting like they're not interested at all. Adultery. I'm going to speak on adultery, but I'm going to go a different direction. But let me at least give a clear definition when the Bible tells us, thou shalt not commit adultery. In Deuteronomy 5.18, in simple terms, you must not commit adultery. The definition, sexual relations involving at least one partner who is married to someone else. Such relationships break the marriage covenant and is condemned in Scripture. Jesus extended this definition. In its purest form, it meant, guys, don't take another man's wife, or vice versa. But Jesus extended the definition because the religious leaders of that day thought they were not committing adultery. And he said, you know, you hide behind that garment, the cloth that you're wearing, and you haven't literally done the act of adultery, but you've committed adultery. Therefore, you're guilty. He said this in Matthew 5, 27 through 28. You have heard the commandment that says you must not commit adultery. But I say anyone who even looks at a woman with lust has already committed adultery with her in his heart. The attitude behind adultery is lust. The selfish intention to use someone else to satisfy our own desires. Lust is more than an innocent attraction. Nothing wrong with being attracted to nice things. There's nice trees, nice cars, nice homes, and nice people. There's nothing wrong with looking at someone who's nice. But it is thinking that if we could get away with it, we would sleep with that person regardless of their or our marital status. This is a form of adultery. You see, lust and adultery are in the same family of sins, but there are different degrees of maturity. Let me explain. Lust is the seed, adultery the weed. Lust is the root, adultery is the fruit. Let me say that one more time. Lust is the seed, adultery the weed. Lust is the root, Adultery is the fruit. But they have different degrees of severity. And it might be helpful to think of it in this way. Lust and adultery are qualitatively the same. They are the same sort of sin, according to Jesus. But lust and adultery are quantitatively different. Their degree of severity is exceedingly different. Let me explain it this way. Flattening Sins and making them all the same does not encourage us to treat sins appropriately. 
the way we should respond to the sin of lust in the heart is far different than the way we should respond to adultery. If you don't believe me, just ask any spouse who has known the pain of adultery's intimate betrayal. Yes, if you're divorced, the Bible says if you marry, you're causing her to commit adultery. Now, remember, again, like murdering a baby, always remember each sin I touched on is not the unforgivable sin. Because in the ministry, we want to offer hope, but we still need to teach the truth. So many people are afraid to teach the truth. Now, if I had to come in compliance with every single one continually, I would never be able to preach. I have made some of the same mistakes you've made, and I've confessed my sin to God. But I still must teach the truth. You must teach the truth to your family and your friends and your children and your grandchildren, not to commit sexual activity outside the home. Adultery. Now, instead of spending a lot of time giving you statistics about adultery and pornography and all that other stuff attached to it, I thought of helping you this morning with some ways that... um, You can keep your spouse from committing adultery. Are you interested? How many are interested? Would you really rate? You're interested in learning how you can keep your significant other from committing adultery. If you're interested in that message, would you raise your hand? Okay. I guess some of you want to leave? (laughs) By the way, could you do me a favor and put on some of the time that I have left on the wall so I can kind of, I could talk about this a long time. I would appreciate that. So, I want to, none of this is mine, so don't shoot the messenger, okay? But I want to help you, and that's the reason I did that, Norm, do, I'm, that I'm doing this. Normally, I don't do this. You know how um, I love to just to take a long passage of Scripture and expound on it. But knowing the problems couples have or knowing the problems you will face as a teenager in dating or in marriage, I thought this would be very helpful. So there's five things a man can do and five things a woman can do. I thought of preaching them on different times. I said, nope, I'm going to lose people. So let me preach both of them at the same time. So there's five things, guys, you will be able to do to keep your spouse from committing adultery. And, guys, there's five things you can do to keep your wife from committing adultery. Now, you sang a while ago, all that you'd like to do for Jesus. I pray that you keep an open mind and an open heart about what God is teaching you. If when I say something to you that you should do and in your heart you're going, nope, I'm not doing that. Can I ask you, what is it a sign of? That's a sign of rebellion. When in your heart God asks you to do something and you go, nope, There's no way I'm giving my wife or my husband that. Forget it. Nope, I'm out of here. I just checked out. There is something spiritually wrong in your heart. Can I get any amens? Okay, I want to see how many amens I keep getting as I speak on this subject. So I decided to start with the woman first. By the way, most of this stuff comes from his needs or her needs by Dr. Willard Harley. He has written about 19 books on the subject. And by the way, we'll be starting a a class, a marriage class on this. So you'll be able to go to our site 
and you build a sign up for this class because even if you're just getting married, every year you should equip yourself with the tools to help you have a better marriage. And so we'll be offering that. And you'll be able to go online and sign up and we'll give you the dates of when that class will start. So the first one, according to this author and other authors, not just me. This is not me. Don't shoot the messenger, okay? I hope nobody has any straws and spitballs are going to fire up here at me. Okay, number one, shower, this is the woman first, shower her with affection. No, it's not kisses, it's not touching, and it's not sex. Whoa. Was that Cheryl, my wife? Oh, no, no. Okay, wait, wait, I'm sorry. I'm just teasing here, okay. Now, where do I get affection from? See, again, the guy's mistaken affection for touching and sex and hugs, and it's not that. And let me give you a biblical explanation, Romans 12, 9 through 10. Don't just pretend to love others. Really love them. Hate what is wrong. Hold tightly to what is good. Love each other with genuine affection and take delight in honoring each other. So God is wanting you to show affection towards your wife. Your wife is screaming out, crying out, show real care, compassion, and affection toward me. To most women, affection symbolizes security, protection, comfort, approval. They are vitally important commodities in their eyes. When a husband fails to show this, his wife affection, he makes her vulnerable to adultery. It says, I care about you. You're important to me. I don't want anything to happen to you. I'm concerned about the problems you face, and I'll try to help you overcome them. Affection is very closely related to the five love languages. How many know the five love languages here, okay? The five love languages by Dr. Gary Chapman. Now he said, when you, when you show love to your partner in the language they prefer, you are showing affection. If you neglect your spouse's number one love language, you are failing to show them affection. And you make them vulnerable to adultery. You can't choose what your spouse's love language is. But you can choose to serve. Now, let me start off by saying this. You can convince the whole world that you love God. But you have failed if you do not show your spouse the love of God. Amen? That's your first mission project is to love your wife and love your children. That's why some people are not great leaders in the church because they fail to show their spouses and their children that kind of affection. So you must agree with God. I know I'll have true happiness if I really, really show proper affection. I need to find out what my wife's love language is. If it is quality time, then you spend some time 
turning the TV off, your football game, your sports, or whatever it is, and you spend some quality time. You can't come home and buy a gift and throw it on the counter and turn on your favorite show and get in your lazy boy chair and expect your wife to be appreciated. You will make her vulnerable to adultery. Okay, showing proper affection. That's her number one need, according to Christian counselors and psychiatrists and Willard Harley. Okay, what's the number one need of a guy? He needs to talk. Ah, you knew I was tricking you, right? <laughs> he, needs, he needs his wife to talk to. A sounding board. Right, guys? <laughs> Satisfy his sexual appetite, woman. Now, don't turn me off, ladies. I, I'm, I'm not talking about turning me off. Don't turn me off by your hearing aid or your heart or your brain. I'm honoring God by saying these things because you will prevent that significant other from going a long ways from him, him committing adultery. Meet his sexual needs. Too many women say, and I hear it from men all the time, and I hope you guys are with me. I expect to hear you say some amens here because I'm speaking on your behalf. Meet his sexual needs. I didn't hear any amens in there. Amen. Meet his sexual needs. Okay, wait, okay. I hope nobody... (laughs) I didn't hear any whistling. I heard someone whistle a while ago. Was that a girl? or? Oh, there it goes. Okay. Okay. 1 Corinthians 7.3. I hope they aren't turning me off on television, but... um, The husband should fulfill, and I know guys have a hard time doing this, fulfill his wife's sexual needs. And the wife, the wife, yes, the wife, should fulfill her husband's sexual needs, his needs. 1 Corinthians 7.3. You don't get a pass, ladies. And if you're in your heart, you're rebellious at this point, you have a problem with God. And you will not experience true happiness if you say to yourself, nope, I'm not going to do it. Or you play games with your body. By the way, your body doesn't belong to you. Did you know that? 1 Corinthians 7, 4. Let's read it. The wife gives authority of her body to her husband. Amen. Hallelujah. Woo. That body is his. I mean, if you own a baseball, you go out and play ball. If you have a basketball, you go play basketball. If you have a body in the house, well, you fill in the blanks. Woo. I mean, it's supposed to be a blast. That's what God intended. I mean, he made sex. I didn't. He said, the wife gives authority of her body over to her husband. Now, marriage cannot protect against adultery if either partner fails to satisfy the sexual needs of each other. This hurt. Besides finances and communication, this is the top three, the fab three or the fab five, but this is the top three. There certainly can be no sexual abuse, of course, or forced sex, but to arm her husband against adultery, a wife must satisfy his sexual appetite. Okay, so you have that. Please, ladies, you don't get a pass at this. You want true happiness in your home. 
Jesus showed us as the king of kings how to become a servant and serve mankind when we should have been serving him. And he demonstrated that on the night he was going to be betrayed. And he washed our feet like a slave. He showed us how to serve one another. And when the apostles were jockeying for position in his government, in his kingdom, he said, listen, that's not how the kingdom of God operates. It operates differently than the governments in this land. You're called to serve one another. Find satisfaction in serving your husband, even if you don't love sex. Find love and satisfaction in serving. I don't always love to go work out, but as long as I have this body, I want to work out so I can move about and do the things I want. Now, something could happen, and I may not be able to do that, but as long as I'm in charge, I want to make sure this vehicle stays healthy. Make your marriage healthy by serving your husband. I will meet his sexual needs. Once more t- one more time. If you say no, you are in rebellion against God and against his word. One other thing I want to say before I move along. Yes, make it interesting. I didn't hear any amen, guys. <laughs> make it interesting. Is that biblical? Okay, let me just give you what they said, not what I said. Okay, I got one clap over there. Make it interesting. Here's what he said. When sex is a, well, when sex is a high emotional need, it is beneficial for both partners to educate themselves in the art of sex. Boring sex is a drag. And all the guys said, amen. It can take all the fun out of sex. Now, if either partner isn't into it, the other partner will know. Amen? If a woman likes to get a rose now and then, she wouldn't like him to go throw it, throw it on the table and say, here's your stupid flower. Likewise, if he or she goes through the motions, the most sexually aggressive partner will sense it and not receive the love they could have received from sex. A woman can't just say, okay, I'm getting it over with. I'm checking a box. I hear this so often, and I read about it so often. And you make your husband vulnerable to adultery because you do not make sex fun. Do you think God created sex to be fun? Absolutely. In the confines of the home, yes. But it ruins more marriages because the woman has to understand her God-given role of bearing children and also of satisfying her husband. If she doesn't want to, she's in rebellion. Okay, what's the guy do now? I spent a lot of time on that on purpose because it makes too many people vulnerable. And by the way, remember this. The guy that's committing adultery, he's not committing adultery with a door. He's committing adultery with a woman. It reminds me of the woman that was caught in adultery and thrown before Jesus. And all these religious leaders said, the law says we're to kill her and stone her because she committed adultery. And by the way, that was the law. What's funny is, where was the guy in that story? Well, always we hear about the guy committing adultery in our day and age on television, right? And, and they're wrong. But where's the woman? 
Where's the woman that they committed adultery with? So remember, it works both ways. We need to do these things to have a happy marriage. When you work at things, when you serve the other, serve your spouse. Serve your spouse. I'll say it one more time. Serve your spouse. That is your God-given responsibility. I could care less if you impress 50, 1,000 other people. If you do not serve your spouse, you are failing God. And all your prayers are worth zippo. Okay. Show her your full attention was the number two thing that guys need to do to keep their wives from committing adultery. Can I get any amens about it, girls? Okay, amen, okay. Oh, yeah. Okay. Job says this in 13.7, and the women are saying this to the guys. Listen closely what do I'm about to say. Hear me out. Most women build relationships by talking. It's not a sin to talk. It's only a sin to talk too much. <laughs> <laughs> women have a basic need as a rule. Remember, these are all things as a rule. The need to talk and be understood. Men, most men are not very good at listening. And therefore, don't meet the basic need of their wives. Most wives would like to say to their husbands, please listen up. That means when you're watching a football game and your wife's talking to you, you cannot say, I've been listening for the last hour. Women, what you ought to do is what I've said before. Your husband's watching TV, a football game. You're talking to him. He's not listening. You go out and you buy a new wardrobe. You come home. You just spent 5,000 bucks on a wardrobe? Yeah, honey. You said, whatever you like, whatever you want, whatever you like when you were watching that football game. So ladies, I'm giving you a little secret next time. Take them up on it. Yes, honey. Yes, honey. You know how they answer. Yes, yes, dear. Yes, dear. Yes, dear. Like they're listening and they're really not listening. Take them up on that one time. But she needs you to listen to her. If you don't listen to her, someone at work may listen to her. Someone in the neighborhood may listen to her and care for her. And you will make her vulnerable to adultery. Husbands, your wives need your full attention. To arm your wife against adultery, you must shower her with affection and with full attention. Okay, here's another one that the ladies will struggle with, but again, it made the top two or three. Step into his play area. That was a need for guys. A husband needs his wife to be his playmate. Don't think sexually on that. Because he needs her in his world. You see, after God created the universe, he said it was all good. Then after created Adam, for the first time, God said something is not good. And what was that? Genesis 2.18. Then God said, it is not good for man to be alone. I will make him a helper who is just right for him. You see, men don't want to be alone. They like a playmate. So God made them that way. You see, men typically like hobbies. Could be golf, tennis, fishing, hunting, adventure. 
Most men don't like to shop, cook, or knit. If you have a husband that knits, go send him to a counselor. <laughs> Ask your husband what part of his play world he would like you to enter and give it a try, ladies. You see, women build a relationship by talking, but men build a relationship by doing things together. I know my dad, when they retired, my mother really, she didn't play golf at all. Reluctantly, my mom learned the game of golf, and they built their whole retirement around the golf course together. If she hadn't done that, she would have made him very vulnerable because he would have been out golfing, then you have teams. You make your spouse very vulnerable if you don't find something that you can do together. I play so many sports, I've thrown them all at my wife, and she's throwing them all back at me. <laughs> she's learned to really play ball. <laughs> Hardball. No, I'm teasing. <laughs> I think we've learned to ride bikes together. My favorite thing to do, no, <laughs> walk the dog. I think that's a sport to the dogs, but it is no sport to me, especially when you got to pick up everything that he leaves or she leaves. Do you understand what the author is saying? Please try, try to find something that he likes that you can join in, join in with him, and it will go a long ways in preventing your husband from being vulnerable to adultery. Now, hers... Her next one is, share with her your apprehensions. Wives complain that their husbands don't talk to them at all. There are some reasons why husbands don't talk to their husbands. Some is his fault, some is her fault. According to Dr. Harley, the third basic need of a wife is honesty and openness. We got one clap on that. That's it's all right to be open here today. We're not politically correct here, remember? A complaint of many wives about their husbands is, he won't talk to me. To meet the needs of their wives, not only must men listen, but also talk to their wives, sharing their feelings, fears, and frustrations. You see, if a husband is not honest and open with his wife about what is going on in his life, he undermines her trust and destroys her security. Proverbs tells us in Proverbs 12, the Lord detests lying lips, but he delights in those who tell the truth. So you see, when a husband is honest and open with his wife about his fears, their marriage reaches a deeper level of intimacy and fulfillment. You see, most men think their wives will think less of them if they admit their fears and their faults. But actually, they will respect and love them much more for being honest and open. One of the challenges, though, some wives don't want to hear and don't want to listen. And therefore, they make their spouse or their husband vulnerable to adultery where he cannot talk to her at all. I can't talk to my wife. And then they go to work blabbing their mouths and talk about their spouse at work. Well... If you don't do that, share with your wives, and wives, you don't listen, then you're opening the way for temptation to come in. 
and making your husband vulnerable to committing adultery. I want to say something at this spot too. Remember what I said earlier, no matter what your spouse does, whether they come into compliance with the word of God, you and me never get a pass at sinning. Amen? No matter who you are, we never get a pass at sinning because of the way our spouse behaves. We just are going to have to do what Jesus did and, and just bathe it in prayer. Okay. Husbands is a big one. Wives, please don't shoot the messenger. Stay attractive. Many men complain that their wives no longer stay attractive. They are not the same woman. Now, I'm gonna, you're gonna, I know you're going to say, well, you should look at my husband. Well, for, it's a, if, <laughs> I, I knew that would be the immediate reaction when I said that. Let's start with you first. Let's start with the ladies first. You, you have to understand this was a, a top need of a man that his wife stays attractive. If immediately you deflect attention, which happens a lot when people listen to message, they go, hmm. You immediately think about someone else. Ask yourself, God, what are you saying to me? A husband needs a wife he thinks is attractive, which means she should look something like the woman he married. I know you're saying, I wish my husband would do that too. I want to say this comes from him. Remember, I can't take any credit for any of this stuff. If you don't look good, he won't look much. Hmm. If you don't look good, he won't look much. Men are stimulated by what they see. I don't understand that. Talk to God about that. He made us. <laughs> if a man's wife looks attracted to him, he will look at her and like what he sees. Few things contribute to a wife's attractiveness as much as how she dresses. Proverbs 31 says, She makes her own bedspreads. She dresses in fine linen and purple gowns. Mm. In other words, she looks sexy. We singing about tractors a lot. Can't we sing about our wives being sexy? Don't you remember that song, My Tractor Sexy? <laughs> I'm trying to be very careful, stick to my notes, not get off base. He wants you to look good. You see, after they have children, many women let themselves go and begin to, begin to look more like mothers than attractive wives. Ladies, remember, one day your children will go up and leave home, and your husband doesn't need another mother. He needs an attractive wife. So, if you want to keep your husband from committing adultery or make, being vulnerable to adultery, make yourself look nice. I do want to pause at this time and I'm so happy to say that our church that probably 98-99% of the women dress properly here. In my journey being a pastor I have a, I've had to tell many women how to dress. Now I'm not judging 
them. In fact, if a prostitute comes in here, I've told you this before, if a pro- and I'm not lying, if a prostitute came in here, let her sit in the front row. Discipline yourself. Understand that person may be coming to Christ. Okay? You can discipline yourself, hopefully, in the house of God. They come back. You begin to scratch your head. Then I would send some ladies to go out and eat with her and find out what's happening in her life. If she comes back a third time like that dressed to kill, then I'm going to have to ask the ladies to go speak to that person. Literally, I've had women tell me stories like, I paid big bucks for these, and I'm going to show them off. Literally, went into a home, my wife and I went into a home where a lady said that to us. I paid big bucks for these, and I don't want everybody to notice. Well, you don't want to come to church and do that. And I need ladies who will stand with me in love and, and say something to other people because you shouldn't make the pastor have to say that to a woman. But I've had to have the courage to tell ladies in love, please. I remember in the back one day on a Wednesday, Steve Petruco was teaching. I said, you, you can't come up here in, in front of all those men. They're not going to pay attention to Steve at all. They're going to be looking at you the whole time. Please don't go up front. I, I begged that person. So ladies, always be mindful of how you dress. That's not what he's talking about in this passage. That you dress in such a provocative way that you're causing people to look at you, your body. I remember again, once again, what attracted me to Christianity. I've told the story before. I was in the parking lot in Texas, and there was a young lady there. I can't tell you what she looks like, but she glowed with Jesus so much that I said, I got to have a girl like that. And I never remember telling myself that. I wanted a woman that was a knockout, like my wife. <laughs> Hope I make a little few brownie points so I get something to eat this afternoon. Okay. You'll keep him from committing adultery if you do your best to look good. Now, guys, here's what she wants. Shield her with your assets. And I'm talking about your body. I'm talking about your finances. She wants you to shield her with your assets. That was extremely important. Most women need financial support. And husbands who will provide for them financially is very much needed. The Bible teaches a husband should shield his wife from unnecessary financial stress. Many wives feel tremendous pressure to help them with the finances, though it is often simply a desire to keep up with the Joneses. That's what caused many people to go to work. Regardless of what the radical feminists said or say, the Bible teaches the husband is to be the financial provider in the home. Timothy reminds us a little bit about that when he said, but those who won't care for their relatives, their spouse or their relatives, especially those in their own household, have denied the true faith. Such people are worse than unbelievers. So if a man won't go to work and provide for his home, the Bible said you're worse than an unbeliever. Now, it's okay for a wife to work outside the home, but it should be her choice and not just a desire to keep up with the Joneses. I know it's a sensitive topic, and yes, I know my wife had to go to work to help out in, for, to pay the bills down here in South Florida. It can be very expensive. We're not saying it's a sin. 
but you should help your wife tremendously by relieving her of the financial burden. That was extremely important. And when guys failed in this area, it made their wives vulnerable to adultery. Now, women, this is another one that would be a challenge for you to accept. But remember, the world doesn't dictate to us how we live our lives. God's word does. Supply a supportive home. Let me explain. I know we're seeing a shift in this area as more and more women are working outside the home. Nevertheless, most men fantasize about coming home to a clean house, a loving wife who urges him to relax while he waits as she prepares a great meal. And I can see some of your minds going, oh, boy. Guys, I don't hear any men's out there. Okay, there's mixed reaction here right now. I can see it. Remember, let the Holy Spirit work on you right now. Don't be rebellious. Let's, let me explain a little bit what he's saying. I know many wives chuckle at this scenario, but because there has been a revolution in home life, men equally share household duties. However, the needs of a man have not changed. Therefore, if a man's need for domestic support goes unmet, there will be serious problems in the marriage. Notice what Proverbs says about a godly wife. Proverbs 31, 17 says she's energetic, strong, and a hard worker. Now, of course, the men should help around the house and with the kids. But, here's what he said. But if this becomes a business partnership, then a way of meeting each other's needs, the marriage is doomed. Let me say that one more time. If this becomes more of a partnership. You do this, I'll do that. Then a way of meeting each other's needs, the marriage is doomed. Wives, if you cook his meals and makes your husbands feel loved and meets his needs, why not do it? If there again is a rebellion at any one of these points, one, two, three, four, we have to ask ourselves, God, who am I rebelling against? Again, it never gives your spouse a pass at wrong. But always remember to do what God has asked you to do. Your true joy and happiness is doing what he's asked you to do, not what someone else is supposed to do. So, now, he can mow the lawn, carry out the trash, do the repair work around the home as you divvy up things. You can divide up the responsibilities fairly and still meet his needs for domestic support. Proverbs 31 reminds us again what a godly wife is like. She gets up before dawn to prepare breakfast for her husband and plan the day's work for her servant's girl. So I, I, I can just see tomorrow morning on the stove, two eggs, toast, coffee, bacon. Guys, I want you to email if any of that happens to you. Then I'll know this, the message worked. You see, few things make a husband appreciate his wife and the children appreciate their mother like her preparing meals for them. One of the biggest problems in most homes today is the lack of sit-down meals. Nothing in the home has been so unfairly depreciated as the value of a home-cooked meal where a family sits down to eat and talk with each other. 
The Bible tells us in Philippians 2.4, if we're having a hard problem with this, don't look out for your own interest, but take interest in others. Honestly, I find satisfaction in serving as a pastor, and I find satisfaction in serving my spouse and my kids and my grandkids. There is joy in doing that. There is true happiness in doing that. To obey this command, a wife must understand her husband's basic needs for domestic support. Regardless of what culture tells us, most husbands need to come home to a wife who's glad to see him and who provides a comfortable, neat, and good meal. I don't know about you, but when God tells me something, honestly, I go like this. Okay, God, let's get started. Honestly, that has always been my attitude, and that comes from him. It doesn't come from me. It's, okay, God, let's wring my hands, and let's see what I can do. And you and me fall short many times, but it is, God, what can I do to please you? Some things are a little harder than others, but that is the attitude God gives his children. If you are here or you're listening and you don't have that attitude, something's wrong with your ticker. Two more and we're finished. Support her with your allegiance was another major one for ladies. A wife also needs family commitment from her husband. How does a husband show his wife he is committed to his family? Three quick ways. Be faithful. Let your wife know you're committed to her and always be faithful to her. This means heeding a warning in Scripture it says in Proverbs 6.32, but a man who commits adultery lacks judgment. Whoever does so destroys himself. Once again, I want to remind you not to let you off the hook, but if you have committed adultery, always remember God's grace. Whether you committed it in your heart or you actually committed it, you divorced your spouse, you're living with someone, all of us are sinners. I couldn't preach if it depended on me being sinless. So you must listen and say, okay, God, I'm willing to get right whatever it is you're telling me. That's simple. God is ready with open arms to forgive you. And yes, adultery is not the unpardonable sin. Ask God to forgive you, and he will forgive you of your sins and cleanse you from all unrighteousness and cast your sin as far as the east is from the west and remember it no more. Can you praise God with that? Amen. That, he's listening. He, he's inviting you to come home. So be a parent, not just a provider, men. That was another major flaw in men. Being a provider, but not being there. This means helping her care for the children. Help them get ready for school. I remember when my wife worked. So I would make breakfast. I would make lunches. And I would do Bible study in the morning while my wife got ready. My wife always kept the house clean. She made meals. So it wasn't that I was doing more than her. But that was my contribution to help her. Even now when my wife always says, okay, the grandkids are coming over. I go, oh, I had plans. Most of the time, most of the time, she's working, helping here at church. And, and I'm thinking... I can't make her have this responsibility all to herself. So most of the time, I quit what I'm doing, and I join her in taking care of my grandkids because I realize I can't leave that responsibility to her alone. So a good provider 
helps his wife with the children or the grandchildren. Take care of them for a day or, or for a couple weeks. Give your wife a day off. Be involved in the lives of your children. This being go, that means going to school, ball games. And we've heard people sadly say this. My dad never came to one of my school events or ball games. This is failing to be a parent in a major way. And this causes many wives to be vulnerable to adultery when a man says, I'm providing with money, but they're not there for the kids. And be a repairman, guys. Now, I wasn't a good repairman. I still don't consider myself a good repairman. I'm learning to do a good job. I'm, doing, I'm learning to do a better job at that. But a, a, a home in a good repair is very important to most women. Men, don't ask your wife to call a plumber or a carpenter to repair minor things you can do yourself. If you don't know how to do it, home repairs, I've learned just go on YouTube. They tell you about just everything to do, how to even unscrew a bulb. <laughs> Ephesians 5.25 says, Husbands, love your wives just as Christ loves the church and gave himself up for her. Husbands, we're to love our wives in such a way that we're willing to die for them. Last one. Remember, you're making your husband vulnerable or your wife vulnerable. You need to shower her with affection, show her your full attention, share with her your apprehensions, shield her with your assets, and support her with your allegiance. Ladies, one more, and it is a challenge. Show him admiration. There is a basic need of every man. A man is attracted to any woman who admires him and repelled by any woman who belittles him. Ephesians 5.23 says, again, each man must love his wife as he loves himself, and a wife must respect her husband. Remember, a, a week ago, we talked about children. Honor your parents. It didn't even use the word love. Honor your parents. So wives, the scripture is saying, respect your husbands. Therefore, wives, when you're with other people, look for opportunity to draw attention to your husband's positive qualities. The most important area in which a man needs his wife's admiration is in his occupation or career. Because his self-worth is mainly derived from his work. Wives, again I quote, Never belittle your husband's job or the importance of his contribution at work. Few things hurt a man like hurt a man like hearing his wife cut down his efforts to support his family. Every time you have the opportunity, show admiration for your husband's good qualities. Compliment him for his hard work, good provisions, and problem-solving abilities. Nothing will push a man further away, a husband further away than hearing negative comments about him. On the other hand, nothing makes a man want to come home and hug his wife like hearing she has said something good about him to other people. Proper admiration will deter a husband's vulnerability to adultery well those are five things uh, something the man can do and something the woman can do 
And I pray today that God will give you an attitude of, okay, God, I will do that. If you're young here, you're not married, you're single, you're getting things, you're getting tools to equip you to learn how you handle your dates. And then when you get married, what you're in for. I think a lot of us, if we knew what we're in for, we probably would have been single, celibate, become a priest or a nun. If you're listening today and you're lost, you're thinking, how can I get saved? Well, it's easy. Remember, Jesus is the one that forgives us of every single sin I mentioned here this morning. He will forgive you. That's the good news of the gospel. But he's also teaching us now how we live it out. So after you receive him as your savior, remember, Jesus took the blame for all your sins. He took the blame. He took the punishment. And he shed his blood. God said, if you believe my son did this for you, I will forgive you of all your rebellion against me. And I will grant you eternal life. Now the journey begins to do the things that we just talked about this morning. Let's pray. Father, we pray that the Holy Spirit will be at work in all of us. There's things we need to tweak, need to adjust, all of us. No one gets out of this life unscathed. I see so many marriages that we all have trouble. Remind us there will always be trouble. I remember what Jacob said to Pharaoh. My days have been few and full of trouble. We look forward to eternity where there is no trouble, where we'll have rest. We won't be arguing, bickering, and fighting. And there are a lot of wonderful times that we do have with our spouses. But I know we can make it better, Father. I know we can do better. Please inspire us and encourage us to take what we've heard today from people you've encouraged to travel all around the world and share these truths. Please heal some marriages here today, Father. Please. We talked about a miracle, Father, that we sang. And I think about the greatest miracle I think of is repentance. We're not looking for some magic trick. Please, Father, call people home through repentance, that they will give up their sin and accept you as Savior, or give up their sin and walk with you on a continual basis. Would you work in hearts and minds today? In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Would you stand with me? Remember, this is a time to continue to worship God. If you're looking in online, you can fall on your knees and pray with me as some will come around the altar and pray. If you're giving your life to Christ, be sure to go in the comment section and say, I've given my life to Christ. Remember, if you're here today and you've not been baptized, you can meet us in the back and say, you know what? I've decided to follow Jesus. If you're a candidate for baptism, go get ready at this time. If you go in the back and get ready. Some of you, if you'll join me at the altar, praying praying my house will be called the house of prayer thanks so much for listening to this podcast if this has blessed you would you consider giving a financial gift to help bring this message to more people you can do that at vlcministries.com give you can also subscribe rate and share this podcast with your friends and family here's what we believe living god's way everywhere every way every day we love you and god bless